0: Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to welcome in any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am your host, Jason Kelly. I'm coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight on the show from Redding, Pennsylvania, is Micah Storms. Micah, how are you?
1: I'm terrific. I'm hanging out with my dog Cooper. Um, hopefully, he doesn't make too much noise during the uh, the recording. But I'm doing well. Excited to talk about one of my favorite players. He's quickly become one of my favorite players. But I'll leave the name for later. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Windham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. How's it going, Terry?
2: Causing trouble as always on the Twitter sphere, running my mouth about Hein Bloom and pissing off the Bloominati.
0: Yep. And watch out, folks. He's coming to Threads soon. So <laughs> it won't be safe there either. We do have a Threads account because
2: everything has to be political and we need to separate things now. So so we're on there. Um I don't know what'll become of it, but it's going to be a, you know, a, a duplication, is that a word, of our um Twitter account, so. Yeah. That's yeah, I set is. one up
0: for myself, but it's like <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> I think I've sent out one thread. I've threaded months is is that the (laughs) terminology we're using i'm not i'm not really sure you
1: know just think we're going to be known as trendsetters because 10 years from now when threads is bigger than twitter we'll all look back and we'll be like we were one of the first ones on that app
2: yeah the the only tweet i have is you know the rangers had that six run seventh inning and i i said Some teams have bullpen games, you know, like the Red Sox are going to have two against Toronto. And then the Texas Rangers have bullpen innings. We had to watch Bruce Bochy painfully walk out to the mound. Get that guy a scooter. Okay, come on. Don't make him walk. And, uh, you know, he's baseball royalty. He's won three rings. He's the only one since uh, Joe Torre to do that, I think. Um francona could have done it had cleveland won it in 2016 but yeah but anyway so that's my only threads tweet so far or yeah. is it called a tweet i don't even know what it is
0: like what is uh, it well yeah i don't think you can call them tweets i think they literally <laughs> yeah. are just called threads it's just such. a
2: thread all right yeah. all right i don't know how to do it but you know <laughs> screw it
0: well we'll find out i don't know <laughs> we'll see if it sticks around i'm yeah. not sure but, uh, yeah, it, it was. It was tough watching Bruce Poche have to just march out to the mound like 18 times <laughs> during that game. That it
2: was four in one inning. Cool. Like, that's confirmed. Like, four times. And I'm like, oh, my God. It, my knees were hurting watching him do that.
0: They they should, yeah. They should just let him, like, sit in the dugout and just have emotion motion, be like, come in. Like, I'm not getting up for you. You <laughs> <Get, get a laughs> bring me the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh, rough. But. Uh, Unlike Bruce Bochy and the Texas Rangers, uh, the Red Sox, at least in one of these games, did not have to make that many pitching changes because Brian Bayo was on the mound and he was once again just dealing. Um, Not a huge like high strikeout game for him, but kept that Texas Rangers lineup in order. Um, He's been a, a star for this team early on. He's taken that really big step forward that A lot of fans were hoping that he would. And we talked about him on our last show a couple of days ago that he is now your ace. He's your ace going forward. You know, you can argue him or Paxton, but Bayo is going to be your ace for years down the line. Um, And he is now, you know, we've been waiting for a while, but he is now a pitching prospect that has developed and has arrived and is taking that ace role, um, you know, by force. So it's been awesome to watch. And, you know, it raises a lot of questions around him in terms of should the Red Sox consider potentially talking with him this offseason about a contract extension? Because, you know, at, at some point, he's going to hit arbitration years. And then at some point after that, he's going to hit free agency. And in between there, you can always get to him earlier before that price tag gets too high. We've seen other teams do it. It's not completely unprecedented, a little more rare for pitchers, but it does happen. So, and we don't know exactly what the number would be. You know, we have a few comparisons we can draw to, but the ultimate question is, if you were high in bloom, if you were the Boston Red Sox, would you approach Brian Bale this offseason about a contract extension? Micah, I'll start with you.
1: Yeah, I think the answer is 100%. I think if, if Bloom is still here, I think this is probably one of the top priorities of the offseason because if Bayo is willing to sign an extension and there's no opt-outs, um, then I would absolutely be very aggressive. Um, if if Bayo is interested in signing an extension with the idea that there could be ops, opt-outs in the deal, I'm not sure I would sign an extension just because you lose the ability to gain those cheap years for extra years tacked on to the end. So if there's an opt out in a deal, I, I think for a pitcher, I don't think I would do it. I would just ride out the deal um, and then look to extend him, you know three years from now. And if he wants to have an opt out or so, then maybe you deal with that later down the road. But I wouldn't give up cheap, controllable years for, you know, a five or six year deal with opt-out because he already is going to have five more years after this deal. So you minus will take advantage of the cheap years while you can if there's going to be an opt-out. But I would definitely push for no opt-out. And I think if we look at a couple of deals that have happened, uh, I think two happened in the off-season. Uh, Spencer Strider signed a six-year $75 million, million dollar deal um, there is an option, a team option for a seventh year that brings the total to ninety-seven million. Um, so I think you definitely can look at that deal. And then the second name that came to mind was Christian Javier from the Astros. He signed a five and sixty-four year, or five-year, sixty-four million-dollar deal. So I think you kind of have a framework somewhere, probably in between those two. I don't think a Bayo extension would exceed a Strider extension just because Strider has become the probably Cy Young favorite in the National League I don't think Bayo is quite at that level even though he has been outstanding in the last month or so Um, I don't think he's quite on that level Um, but there's always that idea that the player the next player up for a contract is kind of his job is to kind of beat the previous deal. Um, so I guess there could be some competition there. Um, but I would be interested in an eight-year deal, something around there. So you get an extra two, two or three years and you get Bayo for his age 29, 30, and maybe 31 season. Um, anything after that I think would be super... Um, risky. I mean, there's always going to be risk with pitchers, um, but I like the idea of committing a long-term deal to a 24-year-old that doesn't have a ton of innings, as opposed to what the Red Sox did with Chris Sale, where they gave him, he was 28, 29 at the time of the deal, and they gave him another five years when he had over a 1,000 innings on his arm. So I like the idea of investing in a young arm that's not overworked, um, but it, it, it really it's tough there's so many deals to look at in terms of position players but there might be two or three deals recent deals um where they completely pay out um even some of the pre-arbitration years um there's just not a lot of pitchers who have done it recently so i think it's a challenge for bloom to find the right deal um but this absolutely should be a priority going forward, because if you can get um, an extra year or two with um, club options, I mean, that could be huge down the road, especially if Bayo becomes the pitcher that I think many Red Sox fans believe he could become.
0: Terry, what do you think?
2: I think all Red Sox fans are all for an extension for Bayo and there is always inherently going to be risk when you're signing a starting pitcher. Now when you go back to you could go back to John Lester. I mean, there there wasn't really that much risk. You knew he could pitch in Boston. You'd seen him pitch in the postseason a couple of times, win a couple of rings for you. And he never, he had so many years in a row with 30 or more starts, 200 plus innings. So, you know, that's what you hope Brian Bale would be. But I, I would take the risk. I would take the risk and I would probably want him for at least eight years, like Micah said. The other somewhat comparable signing uh, that's happened in the last year uh, was Spencer Strider with the Atlanta Braves. And that deal has always kind of confused me because they gave him six years, 75 million with a team option tacked on, so it could be worth seven and if i'm looking at it right without the team option that deal only takes him one more year beyond what his free agent deal would be what's the point in that you're now you're just paying you're paying him a lot more money um you know throughout the life of that contract and you only got one more year out of him now you can pick up that option and then you know you, you get an extra year but Bayo is going to be a free agent. If no extension happens at all, he's going to be a free agent in 2029. So the Red Sox have five more years after this uh, of control over Bayo. So I think eight years is good, even if it's six years with two options uh, put on there. If if year seven and eight are the option years, fine. I mean, this is his age 24 season, essentially. He turned 24 in May. So, you know, next year could potentially be year one of the extension. So eight years takes him through or or into his his age 33 season. And then how much leverage is a 33-year-old pitcher going to have, you know, in terms of, I mean, DeGrom got stupid money. That whole situation in Texas, stupid, and Bayo is probably never gonna evolve into a guy like Degrom, who's just a freak of nature. But, um, but still, I mean, I think eight years is is good. And as far as what the overall number is, I you know, if you're getting into eight years and it includes perhaps a couple options, I think you're you're. North of 100, I think. Um, You know, it could be in the 120 to 140 range, but I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I mean, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer are both getting north of 40 million a year. So I'm good with paying Bayo 18 to 20 a year, you know, over the life of that deal, if that's what it averages. Sometimes it staggers out like, Spencer Strider for instance is only making a million this year, a million next year, then it goes up to 4 million in uh, 2025, then it goes way up to 20 million uh, in 2026. So, you you can stagger it out a little bit. I'm surprised he's only making a million the first couple of years. <laughs> you know, Bayo, you know, probably would be making at least 5 in but it's got to be at least an eight-year deal to make it worth it for me. And as far as opt-outs, I've never heard of an opt-out in a pre-arb deal. Um, perhaps there has been one, but it's it's got to be really rare.
0: Yeah, I would also do it um, because I also just think a Bayo extension fits in with what the Red Sox clearly want to do, which is they want the... 24, 25, 26, 27 teams to be really good and have, you know, the youth that they've developed kind of take over. Those are the years where everything works out. Marcelo Mayer is playing shortstop for you every day. And he's, you know, he's raking at that point. Maybe Nick York is up at that point. Maybe Rafaela is up at that point. Um, And they've already kind of done this in, in a weird way. They did it with Whitlock. They extended him, I think, earlier than they had to. Now, he, he wasn't in his pre arb years. It was a different situation with him. He was a Rule 5 guy, injury history, so they got him for, it was like 4 over 18, tacked on a couple of club years after that. But Whitlock is under contract at least through 26. They'll probably pick up the club options for 27, 28. So that's one guy you've got. You extend Bayo. you add him to the mix. You know, Chris Sale will be gone by that point. Jansen, you know, all these other guys, their money will be off the books. You might be able to go out and add another frontline starter to mix in with them. So, I just think an, a Bayo extension makes sense for what the Red Sox want to do, which is they kind of want to follow that Atlanta Braves model of let's extend the good young talent that we have, keep them here, buy out their beers and keep them here for the long haul, and then let's. You know, that way we're not paying them too much. And then let's use our excess money to go get free agents, go get our own version of Matt Olson, you know, and, and guys like that. So I think that's the model they're trying to follow. It obviously has worked in Atlanta very well. Um, I'm not telling you that Brian Bale is going to be as good as Spencer Strider. I have no idea. Spencer Strider is unreal. Um, As Mike has said, he's your NL Cy Young favorite right now, but Bayo is your best young pitcher. So it makes sense to just get it out of the way early. I agree. Seven, eight years, you know, even if it goes a little bit north of a hundred million, I'm okay with that because I'd rather do that than wait till he's 28, 29, then have to pay him a five-year deal. That's way too expensive and might turn into Chris sale all over again. So yeah, I'm with it. I'd absolutely approach him in the offseason. And start following that Braves model because I think that's a new way to go.
1: Yeah, the thing that I was thinking about when Terry said about like why would the Braves do that deal if you only get one guaranteed year? I mean, technically it's two because it's a team option. Um, but I wonder if by giving him a lot more money than he w- a lot more money earlier than he would make, would that improve the relationship between the player and the, the organization where that the player would be more willing to negotiate an extension past that, because you know what, you really, you didn't have to do that. um, But you did and you got something out of it, but you gave me a lot more money than I would have made because you really could have just used me and abused me essentially because they could have just threw him out there for 200 plus innings every year while he's making, you know, the bare minimum. Uh maybe that improves really the relationship with Strider and the, the Braves organization and then um you know they can work an extension out. That was just a thought I had, but I don't really think that players and their agents really care about that, you know, five, six, seven years down the road from, from the initial deal.
2: I, I think you're right to a degree. I, I think it's really important to the Atlanta Braves to have a really good culture. I don't think any team in baseball embraces that more than the Braves. And I don't think any team in Major League Baseball botches that worse than the Red Sox uh, when it comes to investing in their own guys. I mean, Bloom had a metaphorical gun to his head when that Devers deal was getting written out. and that, I mean, I wasn't positive that was ever going to happen. You know, after just just days after watching Xander walk, and you mentioned you mentioned the Braves, and you could call this an apples to oranges situation because one's a hitter, one's a, a pitcher, but but they locked up Acuna uh, on an eight year deal worth a hundred million, and then they tacked two options on the end of that to. To make it, um, so I guess it'll be worth 134 if all those get picked up. But could you imagine having Ronald Acuna through his age 30 season for 134 million? It's crazy. So, you know, we've seen them, and and Bayo, I mean, everybody knew Acuna was going to be a stud, I don't know where he was ranked in the top 100. I'm guessing in the top five somewhere by the time he made his debut, but um, and, and Bayo certainly not that, but man, just I, I hate to keep going to Lester, but you knew he could do it. You knew he could put the team on, on his back in the month of October. And you're already seeing Brian Bayo just calm as can be with runners on base, just n- not phased at all not in his own head and he's actually in the heads of the batters in the batter's box. That's where Brian Bale is at and I would take the risk. I would take the risk. I mean, if you lock him up to eight years, yeah, there's probably a 60% chance or better. He will have Tommy John somewhere, uh, you know, in that window, but I would still take the risk. You know, you have Bayo signed. I don't think the luxury tax is going to be an issue going forward because we'll, we'll have reset it this year. And then Chris Sale's money, like Jason said, will be off the books. So that's going to be a big thing. And you can go sign, a, you know, a high-end free agent and then perhaps trade for one. So then you got Bayo, you got that free agent I was just talking about, and then you've got a nice trade acquisition, and hopefully you got someone else in the pipeline. You know, and, and you could still have Hauk and Whitlock here for a while. <laughs> Who knows what their roles will be, but but that's how you do it. That's how you build a rotation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and to the player relation part of it that you guys brought up, I mean If there's any team that needs to improve their player relations uh, reputation, it's the Red Sox. Because, yes, they locked up Devers. Um, You know, it took a lot to get them to do that. But they've let a lot of guys walk out the door. You know, Lester, Mookie, Xander. And it was all because they dinked around with them on contracts and took them to arbitration. And, you know, really made life difficult for those guys to the point where they wanted out you know, and, and I've said that about Mookie before Mookie didn't want to be here, not because he hated Boston or anything like that. He just didn't want to deal with the GM and the owner trying to screw him on the contracts every year. So, you know, this whole thing about getting to Bayo early and, you know, paying him more now um, it, it's, it's a good way of, like you said, just getting the player on your side a little bit and, The Red Sox need that because their reputation in that department has really plummeted over the last couple of years. So I think in that regard as well, it's not the only reason to do it, but it's one of the reasons to do it is that it would really improve your reputation, um, you know, amongst the players that like, hey, we are willing to do this. We're not going to keep screwing around with guys like we did with Mookie and Xander and all those guys in the past. So I think for that reason as well, it just makes too much sense. So. Moving to the West coast to a guy who is not going to be looking for a pre-ARP deal. He's going to be looking for probably the most ridiculous deal in MLB history when it comes down to it. Um, And that's Shohei Ohtani. Uh, Ohtani obviously is a free agent after this season. Um, People are already speculating, you know, 500 million, you know, 10 plus years, whatever it's going to be. Um, But he will hit the market and, On ESPN, uh, Stephen A. Smith, who admittedly does not talk baseball a lot, uh, hardly ever, actually. its mostly an NBA and an NFL guy. But this past week, he was talking about Shohei Otani and the Angels. And he made the case that, well, he sort of started by making fun of the Angels and basically saying that nobody cares about them. Uh, People only care about the Dodgers out in L.A., Um, Nobody pays attention to the Angels, and he, in a long way, sort of said, because of that and because of the fact that the Angels are hovering around 500, oddly enough, kind of having a very similar year to the Red Sox, they're a little bit out of the wild card, they're not going to win their division, that they should trade Shohei Otani at this year's deadline. Um, And he, basically, the the way he stamped his case was Shohei Otani is this, he's the modern-era Babe Ruth and Babe Ruth was traded too, um so he's basically saying the angels should get out ahead of it, trade Otani because he's not going to sign with you in the off season. You might as well get out from under it now um it's you know obviously you hear the idea of trading Shohei Otani, and everyone goes what that's that's stupid? Why would anyone do that But again, the angels are teetering they're they're teetering on being out of it, just like the Red Sox kind of are um you know, if they lose five out of seven anytime here soon, their season could be done. So would it be smart for the Angels to get out ahead of it, realize that we're probably going to lose the guy anyway, and trade Shohei Otani at this year's deadline? Terry, start with you. There's
2: no team... In Major League Baseball, that's a bigger dumpster fire than the Anaheim Angels. It's what they are. I I mean, you've got Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani in your lineup. Two of the greatest players to play the game this century. And you can't even sniff the postseason. That's how bad the Angels are. And... They have to trade him. I mean, if they can't extend him, like try that first. Obviously, <laughs> if that and if that doesn't work, if if you throw five hundred million at him, and I don't know how many teams really can, you know, the Yankees, he they would have three DHs if they did that. You know, Stanton eventually Judge and and then Shohei. I just, who's gonna do it? How many teams can really pay that amount? So if, if the Angels go to Shohei and they say, listen, here, here's a half billion. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. A half billion with a B. Uh, please stay with us. And then Shohei says, no, you have to trade him. And it's going to be one of the biggest trade packages of all time because you're giving somebody their three-hole hitter that's going to be crushing balls in October. And he's also going to be their game one starting pitcher. You know, it's going to be the biggest trade package of all time. You have to improve your organization. And I mean, at the end of the day, Shohei's just one player. If you can get three studs in a trade, you're a better baseball team, even without Shohei. One of them will hopefully be super marketable. (laughs) Because you're gonna, you could potentially be losing a lot of marketability, but you have to do it. Here's one other thing to consider. Look at what the Yankees did in 2016. <laughs> they traded a Roldis Chapman to the Chicago Cubs, and the, the Cubs ended up getting a ring out of it, and Chapman was a big part of that. But they got Glaber Torres back in that deal, and then they got Clint Frazier and a couple other guys, and I, I think. You know, there were higher expectations for for Frazier, which never came to fruition. But that was considered to be, uh, you know, uh, a great return. So why not go that route? Why not trade him? Get that biggest trade haul of all time and then go sign him anyway. <laughs> What's wrong with that strategy? The best of both worlds. So it's an absolute no-brainer. You have to trade Shohei. And there's one person that wants it more than anyone. And you know who that is? Rob Manfred. He wants Shohei in the postseason this October. Micah,
0: what do you think?
1: Before I give my take on Otani, I have a question for you. Since Otani... Join the Angels. I heard this stat on the uh, the 3-0 show, which is part of the athletic uh, podcast feed. But since Otani has joined the Angels, what do you think? How many games above or below 500 the Angels are with Trout and Otani? What would be your guess?
0: Well, they've always kind of sucked. So I'm going to guess that they're under uh, games under 500, probably like six or seven. Terry?
2: I mean, I don't, I can't remember where they finished last year, but I don't think they've been, a, unless it was last year, I don't think they've been above 500 for a while. So I think Jason's close. I'll say 9 or 10, just to be different.
1: There are 50 games under 500 since Otani has joined the Angels.
2: Oh, overall, yes. Okay.
1: that That is a mind-boggling stat because you have two of – in my opinion, Trout and Otani are probably two of the greatest players in the last 25 years, if you could probably go further. I mean, otani you could argue he's the greatest player that we've ever seen just based on what he can do. And the fact that they have two players that are incredible and probably future Hall of Famers, they're 50 games under, under 500 when they have those guys. So I'm with you, Terry. They absolutely need to trade Otani because – I hate that Stephen A. Smith made the comment because I agreed with him, but he probably watched six innings of baseball all year long, which is why I hate that I'm agreeing with him. But you have to move him because they have one of the worst farm systems in the league. And if they bring Otani back, what changes? Does their outlook really change for 2024, 2025? I don't see how that it, how it changes because Anthony Rendon is probably behind Steven Strasburg. He might, and maybe Chris Sale. He might be the worst contract in baseball. That guy needs an entire new body because he's constantly injured. Mike Trout, his best years, I would say, are probably behind him, and he's got the back injury that he's been okay with this year but he always finds himself on the il for extended periods of time that's not going to improve as he gets older i think you could make a case that they should be trading otani now and in the offseason they should look to trade mike trout because that's where this organization is this organization has been terrible with these superstars And if they keep them as they get older uh, and the farm system's terrible, all they care about is having big names in their lineup. They have three or four names. It's been like that for the last decade when they signed Albert Pujols. They signed Josh Hamilton, Justin Upton. They've always had these big-name superstars, but they haven't won. They have not won hardly at all in the last decade. Mike Trout has one career postseason hit and he's never won a postseason game. That's a crime to the baseball community and all the fans out there that they've never seen this guy have crazy moments in October. And if I'm Shohei Ohtani, you could offer me $650 million. I'm saying absolutely not because all I'm going to be doing is playing meaningless games, Um, and I don't want to do that. I want to play in October, and I think the Dodgers have – more money than the angels and they can throw more money at him than the angels. And I'm taking whatever deal to get out of the angels organization, because that organization, unless they actually commit to just completely starting over, they are going to be the laughing stock of baseball. And they really have been over the last couple of years because they can't win with two of the greatest players the game's ever seen. So uh, sell them. I was interested to hear that you think it's going to be the craziest package that we've ever seen for a rental um, because I was thinking that it, would it be that crazy? But I, I think you are right. I think you convinced me that it would be Soto's deal from last year. I think you would get a better return um, because of just – he he he's must watch TV and he can do both. And I think it would be a, a massive haul of prospects back, which is what the Angels need.
0: I think in terms of the deal, so I agree. I If I'm the Angels, 100%, yeah, you should trade Shohei Otani. And that's, again, a weird thing to say because he is the face of baseball. I mean, he really is. Um, so you're trading away the face of baseball. You're, you're really pissing off your fan base. But I, he's not going to resign there. There's no way he resigns there. Why would he? It, they're not going to win. That Rendon contract is... An absolute albatross. are going to be stuck with that. Um, They signed a lot of guys this past offseason to like one- and two-year deals, and a lot of them haven't even worked out. Like the Brandon Drury contract hasn't worked out. Hunter Renfro's been okay there, but not great. Tyler Anderson's been okay, not great. Um, Trout, I agree, his best years are probably behind him. At some point, father time is going to catch up to him. So Otani is not going to stay there. The Angels farm system blows. Um, They need a hard reset, and that's how you do it. You you trade a guy like Otani. Now, the question is, where do you send him, right? There's a lot of contending teams that would, you know, love to have Otani and have really good prospects, but, like, would the Tampa Bay Rays really trade for Otani knowing that he's not going to sign with them either? Because the Rays have a lot of great prospects, and they are in it. If there's ever a time where they should – fully go in it's this year but they're not going to trade away their number one prospect and you know whatever else the package entails when they know that Otani's not going to sign with them in free agency one because they won't offer him the money they can't they literally can't afford him um but he's not going to sign there the braves i mean maybe but I, I don't think that's realistic either you would have to trade him to a team that absolutely believes they can re-sign him. If they're giving up their number 1, let's let's just say they're giving up their number 1, number 3 and number 5 prospects and something else. Like the Dodgers would do it. Because the Dodgers would sit there and go, "Well, yeah, we can offer him the 500 million. If that's what it's going to take, yeah, we can afford him." Um yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the Braves could. I don't know if they could afford him. The Yankees could afford him, but like Terry said, they will have a log jam with his contracts, Stanton's, and Judge's. Like, that's eventually, that's just not going to work. The one team that I always felt like could go after him, and I think if he hits the market, you know, they will, is the Giants, because they have a ton of money to spend. I think it's pretty clear Otani wants to be somewhere warm weather, would pr- probably prefer to be on the West Coast, closer to Japan. So, but... They, I don't think they're going to trade for him. They're in a position this year where they could. They're, they're hanging around the race. They're not completely out of it, but I don't think their farm system's good enough. So as much as I say, yes, the Angels should trade him, I have no idea where you send him other than the Dodgers. That might be the only team that could realistically acquire him at this year's deadline right now, have the proper package to send back, and also believe that they can re-sign him after this season. Otherwise, I'm not sure there is anyone else. So if I'm the Angels, yes, I do it, but it's going to be tough to find a trade partner.
2: So one thing I'm always curious about, and I don't know what the rules are as far as the CBA is concerned, but I'm wondering if other teams can negotiate with Otani's agents like Let's say the Angels and the Padres tentatively have the framework of a deal in place. But the Padres want assurance that they can sign Otani long term. If they're going to give up this massive haul, they want some type of assurance that he'll sign for approximately this amount of money. And the only Red Sox example I could think of, and I think... The reason why it's not a great comparison is I think this took place during the off season, but when they traded for Adrian Gonzalez and you're going back, you know, twelve years, Epstein knew that yeah, it's going to cost about 150 million, and I think it was 154, and Gonzalez's camp assured. Um, Epstein that they weren't going to try to ask for a rod type money, you know, upper two hundreds. So, and then, you know, before the season started, the extension, um, you know, was signed and that, that was the same year as Crawford as well. So I'm just wondering if some deals can be made. I'm not sure what the, and this is a different world now than 2011, but, um, I'm just wondering but when you look at the the league as far as who can sign him you know the Dodgers are you know going to make a you know a, a big run for him um but I, the the Padres offered Aaron Judge 400 million <laughs> so what's another 100 million for a guy like a guy like Otani and here's the crazy thing. The Padres can trade Soto this summer and the team that gets him is still going to have another year of control next year. So you can almost recoup that massive trade haul that you paid to get him. You probably won't get all of it back, but you'll get a couple of nice prospects in it. And, and, Instead of focusing on trying to extend him, now you can shift your focus to Otani. You know, you got Machado for a while. You got Bogars for a while. You got Tatis for a while. But I think the Padres, they're, they're tired of being in the Dodger shadow. And they want to win a ring. Another team that's sick of being in both of their shadows is the San Francisco Giants. So it's on the West Coast and um Yeah, we'll see. But that that that's those are the three teams I think that are going to be the front runners. I don't see anybody on the East Coast being in play unless maybe the Phillies, I guess, but that's aiming uh really high.
0: Like any other
2: thoughts?
1: Yeah, I was thinking, Jason, when you were talking about like who could actually acquire Otani this year, you look at the top five farm systems, at least at the beginning of the year, according to uh, MLB.com, the Orioles were number one. They don't want to trade any of their prospects. They're not interested in actually getting better, or at least they haven't shown. Um, so I don't see Otani going to the Orioles or at least them giving up prospects for a rental. Uh, the Dodgers are second, so that's definitely one the d-backs are third do you really see the d-backs they're 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 just in the their window has just opened i don't see them giving up a, a huge haul of prospects for 2023 i just don't see it um the guardians they never give up their prospects like that and they're really not even in it right now and then fifth is the reds you know are the reds their window is just starting to open are they really going to give up prospects for a rental. I think the only team is the Dodgers. And I think, um, you know, the Dodgers weren't really aggressive in the off season. They kind of were trying to reset their payroll and they did that. But I think acquiring Otani would kind of show their fans and the rest of the baseball world that, you know what, we still are very much going for it. And I, I think the Dodgers are the slam dunk team. They've been willing to part with prospects in the past and they just replenish their system every year. It's amazing. You know, they've traded for Machado, uh, Trade Turner, Scherzer. They just, they've made these massive deals in the past. And somehow they still have the second ranked farm system every year. I just don't understand how that works. Um, but that's a credit to Friedman and his staff of finding players. But I think Otani is the. Is the answer for the Dodgers. And I think that is the only team that could acquire him at the deadline and give the Angels the prospect package that they would be looking for.
0: How much of a kick in the nuts would that be to the Angels that <laughs> you have to trade Otani because you know you can't sign him? <laughs> you just got called out for fans not caring about you and being the sideshow to the Dodgers in LA. And then you turn around and trade Otani to the Dodgers yikes
2: <laughs> it, it would be similar to breaking up with your girlfriend or wife and then she moves in next door <laughs> you just <laughs> you got them all the time Here, here's another crazy thing i looked this up several minutes ago we all agree it's going to be about 500 million right probably in 2017 the marlins were sold to the Derek Jeter group, and I don't know who the big uh, financial guru was in that group, but but it was sold to that group for one point one seven billion. So Otani would be worth half of a small market baseball team. That's insane, man! I'm just like I. That's super nerdy, and you know not all of our audience is gonna really wrap their head around that. But um, it's just absolutely mind-boggling that he's gonna he's gonna get that. But like I said, you got your you got your three-hole guy who could be your Manny Ramirez, and at the same time you have your Pedro Martinez to start game one. <laughs> he's he's all of it in one. It's crazy. And Micah, when you mentioned the Orioles, like the Orioles should be a team that's interested in him. And uh, apparently, there's been some family disputes um, uh, amongst the owners, and uh, apparently that's been resolved. But man, could you could you imagine like Otani going up to his translators and being like, "So tell me about Baltimore." You know, <laughs> it's just like it's not a destination city. Neither is DC. But perhaps that's why. I soto didn't want to spend the next 15 years you know in a a town like dc but man the baltimore should be you know in on some of these guys
1: if you put otani on baltimore (laughs)
2: they they
1: they could become the favorite to win the world series like i think that team is that good that i think they would they would be the favorite to represent the american league at least I, i really think they would they would do that And it's just a shame that, you know, they they could give up a package of prospects that no one else could match and they still would have a really good farm system, but they're not interested in winning. They just want to sustain being good so that they can put fans in the seats and that's fine. But why not try to win? I mean, those poor fans were put through the ringer for five years of just trash. And last year they didn't want to go for it. And they, they had a really a, a really good team and then they just came up short. And this year, they're actually better than they were last year. And they have all their players. I mean, they just they bring up a top 10 prospect, I swear, every week. It's amazing. And, you know, I, are they even gonna acquire anything at the deadline? I, I don't like we're saying Otani, but would they even acquire a, a Jordan Montgomery from the Cardinals? I don't even know if they would do that. Like they're only going to acquire a player that has like three or four years of team control that fits into their mold for the future, which is a shame because like I said, they are a really good team, but they are limited by their resources in terms of their pitching.
2: A slaver team. I just thought of, uh, is the one we just played the Texas Rangers. I, their front office is erratic enough to possibly pull something like that off. But, you want to make up for the Jake DeGrom situation? Go get Otani.
0: Yeah, could do that. Although then you're trading within your own division, which that looks rough, even with the more balanced schedule. That's that's a hard one to sell to your fan base. Not only do we trade Shohei, we trade him to the division <laughs> leader. It's <laughs> like the Red Sox trading Bayo to the Yankees. That's, yeah, that's a tough one. That's true. I,
2: it is a little bit more common, but perhaps not at that level like A-list type players but um but yeah I, I it, but if if a trade doesn't happen and he gets to free agency somehow that would be nuts but then for sure I think Texas could back up the brink truck especially if the Astros go to the ALCS again
0: yeah seriously <laughs> I mean it, yeah of regardless that yeah regardless if if he's traded or not i hope that he does hit the free agency market the shohei otani sweepstakes is going to be a fun winter for baseball because if it gets that be, far if it gets yeah, that far. yeah. hopefully he gets that far i hope yeah, so too yeah yeah it's it's gonna be wild so be a lot of fun so with that we're gonna wrap up this roundtable episode um Keep your eye out for the series recap for the Oakland series. The weekend crew will have you guys for that one Monday morning. So everyone enjoy your weekend. Take care.